And then in the New Testament, we'll be looking into Matthew 11. But let's start with Genesis 2. Okay. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then if you'll turn with me also to Matthew chapter 11, at the very end of that chapter, verses 28 through 30, Matthew 11. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Doesn't that sound like all of us? <laughs> Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So sometimes people ask me about sermon writing. Do I like doing it? You know, what's my method? Do I find it difficult or easy? And I love sermon writing. I love studying Bible passages. The writing process typically feels straightforward and organic for me. But I have a confession to make. That this time around, it was really hard. It felt like I couldn't, I just couldn't nail down what I wanted to say, and I had a really hard time also deciding on a passage. When I would write down some ideas, then they didn't really flow together. So, honestly, it was a bit of a frustrating process this time. But I wanted to be honest about the fact that uh, work isn't always easy, even when it's something that you love doing. I'm learning to accept that sometimes you have an off day or week or month or more, and that's okay. We all have that. And sometimes when things are off, then you need to just put your head down and finish a task anyways. And sometimes you need to step away and have a break and come back to it a little refreshed. Sometimes you need Sabbath. And one of the ways that I was having a hard time with this sermon was that I kept changing the passage I wanted to preach on. When I was doing some, some brainstorming and Pastor Eric and I were talking and I had all these ideas in Matthew 11 and Matthew 12. I was going to do all of Matthew 12 and then I was going to do a bit of Matthew 11 and, and then I decided not to do Matthew 12 at all and now I'm doing it in Genesis and 
after some working and reworking, I think that I have something coherent. So this morning, as we talk about the power of rest, I want to talk about, although Sabbath is a command, right, it's the fourth of the Ten Commandments. God, in Exodus 20 here, God's giving the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. This is the fourth one. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Although it is a command, it's actually a gift to us. In terms of sheer word count, this commandment, interestingly, gets the most emphasis out of all ten. There are three more verses that come after what's on the screen here that are all very long, describing why to keep the Sabbath and what to do with the Sabbath. So it's clear that this isn't something that God takes lightly. He wants us to get serious about rest. But why? Why rest? God knows that we need it. And I think that's really what all of his laws are about. That the all-knowing God is showing us the best way to live. And when we don't live by his laws, we are the ones who suffer. We harm ourselves. We harm the relationships with the people around us. We harm our relationship with God. So God says, if you want the good life, here's how to do it. Let me show you the way. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. I will show you the way. I will give you rest. Having a proper rhythm of holy Sabbath is so life-giving. What does it mean to keep the Sabbath holy? I think the words Sabbath and holy are pretty loaded religious language. So let's break it down a little bit. This whole concept gets its uh, origin right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. So let's read it again quickly. We can pull it up on the next. Yeah, here we go. God just created the whole universe in six days. And it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the creating that he had done. So in order to break it down, I want to take a look at these two words, rest and holy, in Hebrew. This is the original language the Old Testament was written in. If we look at the Hebrew, we might get a better idea of what it really means. So the word for rest uh, that you saw in Genesis 2 and 3 there, the Hebrew word is Shabbat, which means to rest or to cease. Everyone with me say Shabbat. Shabbat. Right? It's very accurate for people to call a Sabbath day a day of rest. That's literally what it means. 
So in this case, obedience to God's law looks like resting from work. But what counts as work and what doesn't? And, and then how do we rest from that? Like, am I allowed to mow the lawn? Shovel the driveway? Am I allowed to do laundry? What about homework? Like some clear definitions would probably be a little bit helpful. And during Jesus' time, the Pharisees tried to do just that. Tried to give some really clear definitions and very clear, precise rules. They took obeying God's laws very, very seriously. In the first century, the Jews were in a bit of a bad spot under Roman occupation. And the Pharisees thought, we haven't been obeying God very well. It's probably why we're in this situation. So if we work harder at obedience, if we have stricter obedience, then that's the way out. So they made their own set of rules in addition to God's rules to try to kick things up a notch. So when it comes to keeping the Sabbath, the Pharisees had had defined 39 categories of actions. That's not 39 actions, 39 categories of actions that you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath day. And if you read through uh, Matthew 12, we read through the end of Matthew 11 together, where Jesus tells people to come to him and he will give rest. If you read through Matthew 12, there are two back-to-back stories where Jesus and his disciples break two of these uh, pharisaical laws about Sabbath. They harvest on the Sabbath, and Jesus heals on the Sabbath. But Jesus tells the Pharisees in Matthew 12, verse 7, that God desires mercy, not sacrifice, And this is a phrase repeated at least five times in the Old Testament to condemn the Israelites for mindless rule-keeping. That it's only when you truly love God and love your neighbor, you have a close relationship with God, that true obedience comes naturally. We're not following the rules simply out of obligation, but we're obeying him because we want to. We love him. We trust him. And we believe that the rules that he has set in place truly have our best interest in mind. That God might know better than we do. God is showing us the best way to live. Mindless rule-keeping isn't just a problem, I think, that the Pharisees faced, but I think that we face it today as well. For example, if we make a Sabbath day entirely about church attendance, then we lose sight of what the Sabbath day is really about. We start keeping track who's here, who's not here, and why. But we care so little about the rest of their week. 
But on the other side of the spectrum, if we do nothing to provide accountability and support to our people, well, then we've missed the point of being a gathered community in the first place. Loving and supporting each other. And additionally, when God first commanded the Sabbath day, it was actually to be kept from Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. And that's when the Jews kept it. That's when they still keep it today. But today, Christians traditionally keep Sabbath on the Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That's what we're gathering together to celebrate is Jesus' resurrection. But not everyone has the privilege of celebrating this in the same way. There are lots of people who aren't attending church in person for lots of different valid reasons. They might have to Sabbath in a different way. And we have to be careful not to allow mindless rule-keeping to get in the way of what God is doing. What's God's heart behind his laws? His heart is for his people. God is a God of people, not rules. And we can see that when we look at how God tells us to remember the Sabbath day, which is by keeping it holy. It's more about our needs than it is about the specifics. God tells us to keep the Sabbath day holy. The Hebrew word for holy is kadash, which means set apart. Everyone say kadash. And one thing to notice about this word, which means holy, is that it doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean without faults. It doesn't mean without flaws. It means set apart for a specific purpose. It means something different, not perfect. So the Sabbath day is supposed to be holy because it's supposed to be a day that's different from all of the rest of the days. A day of rest set apart for something, dedicated to God. But this isn't just a day of not working. It isn't a day off. That's a counterfeit Sabbath. It isn't a day of nothing. It's less about what you aren't allowed to do, and it's more about filling the day with the right and good things. It's a day of praying and playing. God commands that we cease from working so that we can spend time with him. This is praying. That's in Exodus. God commands it that way. And in Deuteronomy, God gives the Ten Commandments again, but the way that he describes the Sabbath in Deuteronomy is different than in Exodus. And God commands in this case that we cease from working so that we can enjoy ourselves. 
This is playing. It must be both of these things. That's what sets it apart from all of the other days. We have access to this this powerful day of refreshment, praying and playing. But during your Sabbath day, you should have time dedicated to spend with God. And you should have time dedicated doing things that you love to do. Read the Bible. Spend time outside. Go on a hike. Play a game. Take a nap. Invite someone over for a cup of tea. Doesn't that sound like a beautiful way to spend your day? This is God's command. This is God's gift to you. God is asking you to have a rhythm of these beautiful, restful, life-giving things because he knows you need it. And this set-apart day of rest as a gift also means that you don't have to earn it. You don't have to finish your to-do list. You don't have to fulfill all of your tasks in order to rest. You get to rest anyways. This is God's gift. You get to celebrate Sabbath every week, whether you feel like you deserve it or not. It's free. A big part of celebrating Sabbath, I think, is surrender. Surrendering to God that maybe we feel like we have to do everything. We have to keep doing and keep doing. We can't stop. But celebrating Sabbath is a chance to recognize we are not in control. That whatever power or control that you think you might have in this life, you don't. It could all be over like that. And we all know this. But how often do we actually live this way? Part of the power in resting is that it shows us the difference between us and God. God is the one who's in control. We are completely reliant on his will. And it's a, a beautiful thing to be able to surrender that and accept that. Celebrating Sabbath teaches us to surrender. And no matter what you have going on, you get to rest from the stresses of your regular life by releasing them to God. This is Jesus' invitation. Take my yoke and give me yours. Because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But in our life here, we carry heavy burdens. Jobs, businesses, family life, difficult diagnoses, natural disasters, worldwide droughts, and hunger, war. Sabbath allows us to have a time 
to surrender all of these things, give them over to Jesus. Power of rest is a light burden. The Pharisees tried to make their own rest by adding new rules, increasing the structure of the Sabbath day. Before getting to the well-known come to me all you who are weary bit in Matthew 11, Jesus spends the rest of the whole chapter in Matthew 11 condemning the Pharisees for burdening the people with unnecessary legal obligations. The Jewish rituals were starting to become more about gatekeeping than they were about actually bringing people closer to God. Pharisees made it seem very hard to have a relationship with God. To them, more structure meant more godliness, but when you overdo it, then it does the opposite. But sometimes, introducing rules and structure can help bring us closer to God. It introduces intentionality and accountability. For myself, I'm quite often working on Sundays, and so I have a rhythm instead of Sabbath on Mondays. And I've introduced some structure into that day because it helps me get the most out of that day. It helps me ensure that it is a day set apart, that it is a holy day different from my other days, that it's not just a day off. But if adding structure gets in the way of your relationship with God, throw it out and go back to the basics. Sometimes you don't need more structure to get the most out of your Sabbath day. Sometimes what you need instead is more space. It makes me think of Jesus' relationship with his father. Jesus frequently spent time alone with God. He would sneak away from the crowds and from his disciples to spend one-on-one -on -one time with God. And sometimes it got to the point where when they would finally find him, they would go, where have you been? We've been looking for you. And he would respond, I've been spending necessary time with my father. And I needed the space to do that. So maybe like Jesus, you need more space to get the most out of your Sabbath day. It's easy, I think, to try to find rest in places that aren't Jesus. Binge watching TV shows or scrolling on social media, partying in substance abuse or pornography or busying ourselves with work and with family life. There are so many ways that we try to self-medicate. We try to numb the stresses and the pains of life. And these things give us instant gratification, but it's fleeting. 
And they leave us actually feeling worse than when we started. That is not real rest. If you want real rest, there's only one place to get it. Jesus is offering you a powerful rest. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but no burden sounds like a good one. No yoke sounds fun to have to put on, this big piece of metal wood, of, of wood. It's almost ironic that, that the only way to find ultimate rest is by taking on an easy yoke and a light burden of being Jesus' disciples. That doesn't feel like an easy task all the time. In his book, The Easy Yoke, Doug Webster writes, is not love better than hate? Purity better than lust? Reconciliation better than retaliation? And is not better really easier when measured in character rather than convenience? So finding rest isn't about what's most convenient. Finding true rest isn't about taking the easy way out. But putting together a structure or carving out space where we can pray and play probably isn't going to be the most convenient thing. It might take some work ahead of time to make it happen. But it is a powerful and a life-giving thing. The Sabbath is our glimpse into the eternal rest that Christ has in store for us. Are you eager for heaven someday? Do you feel fed up with the burdens of this life? Sabbath is our gift from God for a restful day set apart from the others. A day that points to the eternity that we will get to spend with him completely burdenless. Amen. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your command and your gift that we get to set apart time for rest. Help us to find the best ways to take advantage of our Sabbath, to pray and to play. Help us to fight back against 
what's simply convenient and instant, and all these other things that fight for our time and our attention and help us to implement structure and find space to pray and play. In Jesus' name, amen.